0: Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang backstage with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. And today's guest is really one of the most successful artists in all of contemporary jazz. He's played all around the world for presidents, royalty, and fans alike. He's been consistently putting great music on the charts since the late 80s. He has six number one albums, five number one singles, and counting to his credit, he is a multi-platinum, Grammy-nominated saxophonist and flautist, and one of those people who you can call by only one name and everybody knows exactly who he is. Ladies and gentlemen, we are excited to have the great Najee on the show. Najee, welcome. Oh, thank you, Carl. Great. Oh, my God. man, (laughs) I got to tell you, brother, I'm tired from just saying all that stuff and we haven't even scratched the surface yet. Oh, man. Hey,
1: listen, you know, when I was a kid, I would have done all this for free, not knowing I would have got all this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Well, I got to tell you, man, 20 albums plus between your works and compilations that you've done with people. And every single one of them is a different experience from your fans. How have you managed to keep your music so good and so fresh over such a long career?
1: Yeah, well, thank you for the kind words. But honestly, I think it's just the the spirit of being a jazz musician by nature. You get bored with what you do. Mm -hmm. And you're always looking for new avenues because your personality as an artist is going to be this linear thing over your career. But you try to find other interesting avenues to express that through. And fortunately for me, I've had the blessings and the pleasure of working with so many great artists and being able to collaborate with so many artists over the years. It's helped. It's helped a great deal, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. What's your favorite part of the music-making process, Najee? Really
1: to struggle to find something that I haven't done before or that people haven't heard. Because there's a lot of things you do as an artist over, well, gosh, my brother and I were just counting... Well, going into 52 years as a musician. Wow, that's amazing. You know, starting as a kid in New York City. So it's really just the idea of finding something new to as a vehicle mm-hmm. for musical expression, a vehicle for that. And you draw upon a lot of your experience over those years. And so that's really what's exciting. I mean, I strongly believe in that saying that we as musicians, we don't retire. We just don't hear anymore. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So okay. I'm still
0: hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still hearing you and enjoying it. We're still hearing yes, you sir. and enjoying it. So, okay. Nelson Mandela, Bill yes. Clinton, you play for them. Yeah. You've worked with people like, and this is just, just a couple of them, Quincy Jones and Prince. Yes. And so, and the list goes on and on and on. Do you ever get starstruck, man? Tell me about a time when you've been starstruck. Oh, man. I mean, several times. I remember when in the 83, my brother and I were
1: both playing in Chaka Khan's band. And, you know, as kids, we used to sit there and listen to the Rufus records and look at her on there and just look at how beautiful she was. And, and then we finally got the opportunity to tour with her on the Ain't Nobody tour in mm-hmm. 1983. And we're standing on stage like, man, how did we get here? Yeah. And that's happened so many times throughout my career. I mean, I remember hearing when Prince wrote, I feel for you, for her. Uh huh. And I would have never imagined that I would have ever worked with him, especially back then. That was when they were in the heyday of their pop success. I mean, Al Jarreau. I remember going to see him in concert. Okay, okay. When I was school, and I would have never thought that I'd be on stage with him, sharing the stage as a co-headliner. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a lot of those. Angela Bowfield. I mean, just so many. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, and Al Jarreau is uh, We're in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Al Jarreau is a Milwaukee native, and. One of the things that we actually are beginning to work on is trying to get a street name for Al here in Milwaukee. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet, man. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to get a street name for Al. Yeah. And also Eric
1: Benet, he's from there as well. Eric Benet is from here. Yeah. Eric and I have worked together quite a few times. Yeah. But Al Jerome, man, that, I mean, he's won how many Grammys? So Milwaukee should uphold him for
0: real. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, I got a little, you mentioned Eric Benet. I got a little funny story to tell you. Uh huh. Eric and I, I'm older than Eric, a few years older than Eric. Eric and I used to sing in the church choir together as kids. Mm -hmm. We used to sing in the church choir together as kids. It's so great to see him and his career take off the way that it's taken off. So So you come out of the blocks, man, with a Grammy-nominated project on your very first project. Yes. Did you feel like you had made it then? Did you know you had made it then? or? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, when you co kind of starred as a new artist, you're still broke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Album came out, and a lot of people called it jazz at that time, because it did chart on the jazz charts. And as a matter of fact, when I came out, Billboard had just started a jazz contemporary. Okay. The, the traditional jazz. now. I, as an experienced jazz musician, didn't call what I was doing jazz. Mm-hmm. I called it R&B with the saxophone as the voice. And I think really what really drove those sales were the R&B audience. You know, I was fortunate to tour with Freddie Jackson, the opening for him. And you know, at that time, Freddie was playing these huge arenas. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story later on about Milwaukee because it was actually the first city we played at huh. on that tour, on the Tasty Love Tour in 87. But I'll tell you about that later. But anyway... That album just took off, man, and I started getting appearances on some of the top national TV shows and okay. internationally. And before I knew it, I was walking in the airports and on the street, and people calling me by my name. I was like, "How did this happen?" Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's got to be pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, let's take a quick listen to a song from that first album, the Grammy-nominated Najee's theme. This is "Bet You Don't Know." That was Bet You Don't Know from our guest, Najee. So you talked about the fact that you didn't know you had made it because the money hadn't followed yet. But when you did get that first big paycheck, what did you do with that first big paycheck? Oh, I went out to dinner. Okay.
1: Because <laughs> I can afford to. I mean, back then, man, I probably weighed about 120 pounds. I was thin. So I could finally go to a nice restaurant and sit down and not worry about how the bill was going to look when you... <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: That's all right, man. That is all right.
1: Bought a house. I did quite a few things. So.
0: Good. Good, good, good. That's all right. That's all right. Do you remember the restaurant? <laughs> Actually, I don't. I'm okay. sorry <laughs> All right. So is there, from your, you've got such a vast catalog of music. Are there songs in your catalog that are favorites of yours that you just love to play on stage still and you've been playing them for years or?
1: You know, what really drives what's best for me is the audience, honestly. Okay. I'm, I'm sure you know, I've done a lot of work since those very first four or five albums that mm-hmm. I did on capital E of my records. But... It seems to me, no matter what I record, <laughs> I have to play the classics. Nobody's happy. Yeah. They'll sit through and tolerate all the new stuff, you know, and they'll <laughs> love to do with us. But if I don't play, Bet You Don't Know, Najee's Theme, Sweet Love, Day by Day, Gina, uh-huh. and a few others, I mean, and, and maybe some of the things from the Stevie Wonder album I did, they don't feel satisfied. Tokyo okay. Blue, <laughs> you okay. Know, those are the ones they want to hear. So what really drives the favorite song as far as live is really what the audience wants to hear. You know, yeah. I, I really enjoy that part of it.
0: Yeah. That's one of the things that I love about your music is that it's timeless. I listen to a lot of your music and have over the years, and your Najee's theme was a soundtrack to my life when I moved to New York to first start working in an advertising agency, right? Oh,
2: okay. okay. And <laughs> I
0: still listen to, to your music all the time, and it's just timeless. You know, like, as Thank an you. artist, you see evolution but yes, yes. you still go back and you see what an artist did maybe 10, 15 years ago. And it's still great. It still gives you that same level of joy. So I'm not surprised that your audience keep asking for some of those songs because I know it gives joy to a lot of people.
1: Well, it's really interesting to all that for me is when you start out, I didn't have a clue as to what I was doing. I just knew I had a, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I just knew there was a market for instrumental music with the R&B audience. Yeah. And I was fortunate to slide right in at a time that it just took off. And I had to figure out how to become a solo artist because up until that point, I had toured with people like Shaka and Benny King. I was, actually did a lot of recording session work in the New York City area during that time. My brother was one of the session guitar players. You know, he played on big artists like Melba Moore and Kashif and different artists during the time change and whenever there was an opening for a saxophone solo, he'd call me and say, you need to hire my brother. He's blah, 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 blah. Okay. And I developed kind of a reputation as a New York session player in horn sections and playing solos. And as a solo artist, I had to actually figure out how to make that engaging for the audience. So there was involvement based on that.
0: Yeah. Huh. Huh. Now, as a session player, like, that's hard work because, like, you go in and you got to get it right away. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, I mean, I
1: did get to play in a lot of the big bands. Uh-huh. When I was a youngster, I attended Jazzmobile in Harlem from 15 up until I left New York at the age of 18, 19. So I would go there, and that was where I got formal jazz training studying under Jimmy Heath, Frank Foster, uh, Ernie Wilkins, wow. Frank. Webber. That was the program, a federally funded program in the late '70s that afforded young urban musicians like myself, or high school students to come and study with some of the great masters under the Billy Taylor, under the Dr. Billy Taylor, the late Billy Taylor.
0: Yeah. And went
1: to college. I got to play with some of the big bands under Jackie Byard. For those of you who don't know Jackie, he was the pianist with John Coltrane for many years. Great key pianist. So I got to study with him and play in his big band, along with the legendary Mr. George Russell, who created what we call the Chromatic Lydian Concept. He was known for that at New England Conservatory of Music in Boston. So, I got to play a lot of big band music. So, yeah, I could read. Clearly. How I got on Shaka's gig was actually the musical director said, Listen, Najee, and then this was true story. She said, Listen, Shaka will <laughs> hire all white horn section. Uh-huh. You know, she had a band. But I guarantee you, if you can read the charts, you could probably get the gig. And okay. of course, you know, like, Hey, bitch, that's what I do. You know? Uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. So, you know, my training has served me well. Clearly. During Yeah, clearly, Mm -hmm.
0: clearly. And three years or so with Prince, huh?
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Started out as an invitation to just come out to Paisley. And I didn't know what to expect. He just called me up one day and that invited me out there. And this was after I had sat in with him at one of his after parties in New York City. And I went out. I was very curious. I got out there and we just started doing these jam sessions every night, like from two to four in the morning. Wow. And then after about a week of that, he says, listen, I want you to record this album with me called Rainbow Children. Okay. I'd you know, uh, like you to come in the studio. So we went in a couple of days, and I recorded with him. And then uh, he came to me. He said, hey, man, I'm going to do this two-week tour. And I'd like you to join the MPG. Wow. And I said, okay, well, he says, but I got one problem. And I said, well, what's your problem? He says, I don't know what to pay you. And uh-huh. I said, well, I don't know what to charge you. <laughs> <laughs> And then he does the ultimate pimp thing. He says, what do you need? I'm like, <laughs> what, do you mean, what do I need? He's like, he says, you need a house? You know, I'm oh, like, no. <laughs> and then we never talked money. I went out on the road for two weeks. Next thing I look around, man, three years had gone by. Wow. Got insulated in his world, you know? Yeah. But it was, it was a great experience, I must say. It really was.
0: There was something burning inside of you, obviously, to go do your own thing, because you left that gig to go do your own thing, huh?
1: It's funny how the timing worked out because when he invited me to play with him, not unbeknownst to me, he used to come to my shows, particularly when I would be in LA at the Greek Theater. He okay. would come and people would say, Hey, man, did you see Prince? He was checking you out. I'm like, No, no, I mean, you know, where is he? And he'd be gone by then. And then one particular occasion, I went to his show at Madison Square Garden in New York, and I was sitting next to Maxwell, the singer, and got an invitation to come to his after party and play. So I did. Maybe about a month later, Dougie Fresh, the rapper, calls me up and says, He says, yo, 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 the artist is looking for you, man. He wants to talk to you. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, man. He said, he was checking out this videotape, because, you know, he taped everything. He's checking out the videotape of you playing with him, playing that flute, man. He said, yo, he plays dope on that flute. How can I get hold of him? And so, Dougie reached out to me, and then the rest is what happened. You know, he called me up, and he's like, yo, man, what's up? I'm like, I don't know. What's up? (laughs) He says, well, when are you and I getting together? I'm like, I didn't know how to take that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he says,
1: I said, Well, I don't know. You tell me he says, Well, what are you doing right now? I said, Well, I'm my home at the time I was living in LA. He says, Why don't you come out to Minneapolis? I said, When you want me to come out? He says, Well, come out right now. I'm like, Well, I can't come out right now. He says, Well, when could you come out? I said, Well, in about next week sometime, he said, oh, I'll have somebody call you back. Click and he hangs up and that was it. And I get a call from a travel agent. <laughs> restless. But uh fortunately I was leaving Capitol Records at the time. I was in contract to get out of that contract. And then he called me. I went on the road with him. And it still allowed me to go out and do my own touring when I needed to, my personal appearances and concerts. But and then I'd come back and join the band again, and that's how it went for about three years. Finally, I just said, "Man, I got (laughs) to go." Audience doesn't know if I'm still here, so that's how it ended. Yeah.
0: And certainly, I mean, for you, I mean, a good decision. I mean, you've done so many things in your career. Are there any things that stand out to you as the things that you're super proud of? I mean, you have so many things that you've accomplished.
1: You know what it's almost like a line, a story that just keeps going. I don't know if I have can name any one thing, but they all add up to one big picture, if you will, like little colors in a total picture. But I think some of the hallmark experiences was the opportunity to play for President Nelson Mandela when he was president, yeah, and to have personal time with him. you know it was one thing to do a concert we did a it was two concerts, one in Durban and one in Johannesburg. It was called A Gift to the Nation. He had just gotten married. He had married the lady from Zimbabwe, the ex-first lady of Zimbabwe. And so he was giving a gift to the nation, and we did it. I went with Stevie and Shaka and a whole bunch of others, Kenny Latimer. And we had lunch at the presidential residence. Mm, wow. We sat there, had lunch with him. I mean, he was wow. fun. He was just very engaging, just like talking to you.
0: Oh, I appreciate
1: that. Yeah, he was a very, very nice man. And, one of my most treasured photos is he and I and my brother together outside photo with us. And he signed a photo poster with my name on it with his picture on there. It's really wow. nice.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, talk about experiences. I can imagine that there's enough of those to fill a couple of books. Oh, yeah. I followed you on Facebook and I see you engaging with other artists and you seem to be a person that is universally respected and loved by other artists. And that's not the case with everybody. So what have you learned from your career that, and when I talked to Blair Bryant, your musical director, I mean, Blair (laughs) spoke so highly of you. What is it that you've learned from all of your experiences that have become a part of how you do what you do that make people respond to you that way?
1: I had great teachers, great. I mean, starting in high school with Mr. David Vetter, who was my high school band teacher, but he was just that kind of person, very engaging. And for whatever reasons, he saw something in me I didn't even see in myself at the time. And this always encouraged me, my mother, of course. But also when I think about working with Shaka Khan, I never forget how she would just treat her band so well. You know, now, we know all the stories, we hear all that in the press, but... As an individual who really cared about the people that work for her. So anyway, I adopt a philosophy, not really a philosophy, but my principle is I don't work with people I do not like. Yeah, (laughs) good for you. There's nothing worse than being on a dance stage and you got somebody behind you that you're giving a check to Mm -hmm. and you don't like them. You know, that makes no sense to me. So that translates all the way through recordings, touring. And I love young musicians who are coming up and you see the talent, you can kind of see where they're supposed to be going and you share time and space with them and you watch them progress and move on. So, and that's how it happened for me. So,
0: yeah, yeah. But you know, that's great that that's how you are because a lot of people aren't that way. A lot of people, you know, like I'm like you, I believe that our gifts are meant to be shared, right? They're not for us to just hoard them, right? Exactly. But a lot of people feel like, well, that person might be coming for me. I'm not going to share this or share that, right? So I think it's a real sign of, confidence, right? When people are willing to share their gifts and are willing to push people forward, right? That's a really cool thing that you do. And I suspect that's a big part of why your band loves working with you and the music community has such great respect for you. I learned
1: a long time ago, and a great example is George Duke, touring with him and how he would bring on great keyboardists that could play very well I learned a long time ago, just because someone is winning doesn't mean you're losing.
0: That's a great point. That's a great point.
1: And especially if you've been blessed to win because of other people taking time to associate with you, which has been my experience. I have no problem doing that because we have one great saxophone player that joins us from time to time by Riley Richard. He's out of Cleveland. Great, great saxophonist. And I met him, young man. He's just starting up and we just became friends. He started calling me and then eventually I just invited him on the road. I took him to Africa with us, you know, the whole bit. And to be honest with you, they bring something to the show that people remember. They remember the experience and they still show me the love. They still buy my CVs. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm not losing anything by just giving the platform for somebody else to do what they do.
0: That's fantastic. All ships rise, don't they? Yeah, yes that's cool that's cool so tell me what it's like describe what it's like when you are in the zone musically let me see when I'm in the zone sometimes my mind is not even on what I'm doing I'm just huh. okay <laughs> okay
1: I'm thinking about that early morning flight I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I mean you get to a point where certain things as an artist maybe I shouldn't share this but I'm going to share it anyway But please do you get to a point where certain things you enjoy because they become routine uh-huh you know the chemistry of the audience, you understand them, you know what gets them going, you know, and I consider myself a very, very well-trained musician. Yeah. But until I hold that one note for about five minutes, people don't get it. You know, uh-huh, what I'm uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know it's going to work and you get to that point where the zone is really almost like routine.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a sense that you were in the zone when you made Tokyo Blue. So we're going to take a little listen right now to the song Tokyo Blue by today's guest, Najee. And that was Najee with Tokyo Blue. So Tokyo Blue is one of those pieces that did great on the charts. But again, it was also a work that musicians really highly praise. I can't tell you how many musicians or artists that I've talked to and you get in these conversations about music and I ask them, I love to ask people about what their favorites are, right? And I've heard Tokyo Blue over and over and over again come up as one of the favorite pieces of work from other musicians that I've talked to. How does that make you feel when you hear stuff like that?
1: Well, I'm automatically drawn back to when it started with that. Uh-huh. That album was the third record that I did. And my brother and I, because we had two previous albums that were very successful, decided we were going to take control of our recording budgets. Okay. And we went at my management and we went at the record label and said, no, we want control. And we decided to build our own home studio. Wow. Fully out in New York. Okay. And... When it was time to do the record, of course they gave up the money in record companies. When they give you money, they're like, oh, listen, we need the record now.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: We were in the midst of construction. So the day we completed construction of the studio, we started that album and we brought in musicians that were actually touring with me at the time. And how Tokyo Blue became what it is is we were actually in Japan touring quite a bit back then. Okay. And at the Tokyo Blue Note in, in Tokyo and other cities, because they had several back then. And as a tribute to our friends that we would always see every time we go over there, we just decided that we came up with this theme at a sound check and it became Tokyo Book. Wow. Oddly enough, it's a song that doesn't have a real melody. Uh-huh. It's really an improvisational thing that just ended up becoming a theme and being very successful.
0: Yeah. Huh.
1: I can't go to any concert and not play it. I mean, yeah. But there's no real melody. If you listen to the song, there's no real melody. It's just yeah. really a theme. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. But thanks to my brother, though, my brother Fareed, he produced that whole album.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about your brother Farid. Fareed is your manager now, but you guys came up playing and gigging together, and that must be a pretty special thing to get a chance to to work so closely and have had a chance to work so closely with your brother for such a period of time.
1: Yeah, it kind of evolved that way, because as teenagers, we did a lot of touring for the USO. Mm -hmm. There were two separate bands under one management company, and we would tour overseas at different times. But then... Eventually, when we came back and we found like there was no future with these bands, we decided to go to school because our mother said one day that I either mean, you guys can go to school, you're going to get a job, or you're getting out, which is going to uh-huh. be. So,
2: <laughs> so we don't go to school.
1: And we went to uh, Bronze Community College for a year and did a musical park there. And then we auditioned for New England Conservatory in Boston and got in and and there began our journey as students doing uh, what we do. And, and then we got with Shocker's band in the 80s. And then He decided to do more production work because his children are young and he wanted to be home to raise them. So he decided after he went on tour with Jeffrey Osborne in 1984 on the Don't Stop Tour. And when he got off of that, which was like a rock and roll tour, Uh he basically said, you know, I don't want to do the road now. And he became a producer. And then fast forward into the late 90s, mid to late 90s, he decided things started changing with the label. And I started working with other people. I had avoided management and he just took over that role. Which afforded him the opportunity not to have to travel so much. Yeah. That's what he loves to do, man. He's a bean counter and contract the negotiator. And what can I say? Having him in my life, I sleep at night, the bulk's always balance out. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Well, I gotta tell you a story about Fareed. We're fortunate enough to have you playing our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival in twenty twenty two in okay. Milwaukee. Okay. And it's gonna be August of twenty twenty two. Oh, okay. In Milwaukee, the Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. And when I initially spoke with Fareed about booking you, it was for a 2020 event, which got canceled because of COVID. And then we tried sure. to get you for 2021, which got pushed into 2022. Right. And I never forget Fareed saying to me, we we're talking about the agreement and Fareed said, well, you know what? I want to make sure we get it straight now so we can avoid an argument later. You know, so. <laughs> that's him. That's, yeah, that, that's exactly what he said. And I, I got a yeah. good chuckle out. I was like, okay, my man's on his business. I like that. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. So, <laughs> so we have this game we love to play, this little segment we like to do with each of our artists. Najee, it's called Bout It or Doubt It. Okay. Okay. So, of course, if you bout it, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something that you ain't quite feeling. Sure. So, you interested in playing? Sure, sure. All right, let's do it. Bout it or doubt it?
2: I started this bout about
0: If you bout the- it,
2: get them up. Get them
0: up. I mean, you bout it by.
2: by. I mean, by it. You bout it by. by. Uh, I represent. represent. It's 99. It's 99. It. I doubt it.
0: All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to identify a category for you and then we'll ask you a couple about it or doubt it questions, okay? Let's go ahead and spin the wheel. All right, All right Najee, your category is rides, okay? So about it or doubt it, motorcycles? Doubt it. Doubt it, okay. <laughs> Not feeling the motorcycles, huh? No. no, have you ever owned one? No. Yeah. I hate to sound
1: tragic here, but I know at least 13 people have died on them, so wow. that's why. Wow, wow. Yeah.
0: Good enough reason to doubt it then. All right. All right. Let's do one more. Helicopters. Doubt it. Doubt it. Okay. Why helicopters? I've been on them, but I fly. I flown planes.
1: That was my first uh, career when I was in high school.
0: No kidding.
1: Yeah. I went to August Martin High School in Queens, New York, which was in honor of the late uh, August Martin, who was a pilot doing the Biafra missions. We okay. used to fly missions on DC-8s from the United States to Africa to give relief food and things, and he died in one of the plane crashes. So they named the school the old Woodrow Wilson High School in honor of him. Okay. And kids who were in my neighborhood were interested in aviation, including Russell Simmons, who was my classmate. Huh. I went there to become a pilot. So my first career, if you will, before music took over was to be an aviator. Okay, okay. Going back to helicopters, I never liked helicopters. I've flown in them a few times and... Uh Uh-huh. And because I know that the survivability rate, if the rotor goes out, is zero, <laughs> uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. you got to doubt it. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I don't blame you on that one. Now, do you still fly? Are you still actively a pilot?
1: Not since September 11th. Okay. I just did recreation mainly. I yeah. mean, I have flight simulation here at my home, I keep up with all the technology. Okay. But that's just for entertainment now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about other hobbies that you have? Other than keeping up with your flight simulation, what other things do you do outside of music? Bike riding. I love bike riding. I swim here at home. Okay.
1: I'm not an avid workout guy, but uh, I get it in.
0: Okay, okay. So speaking of rides, tell us what's playing in your ride right now. Oh,
1: let me see. I don't know if you know a guy named Jared Lawson. Yes, yes. Yes. Been playing him. Let me see who else. Doobie Powell. Okay. Great gospel. An R&B artist, Dewey Powell. I still love some of Herbie Hancock's older stuff. I've been playing that. And John Coltrane. Uh, Miles is still one of my favorite. Michael Brecker. Uh I love Michael Brecker. Chris Potter is another one. And that's it. And I just came across a vocalist I had never heard before named Dara Tucker, vocalist. Huh. Jazz singer. Okay.
0: How do you go about finding? How do you go about identifying and finding new music? Are, Are you in a situation where people are sending you stuff all the time? Or are you just on the hunt? Or... (laughs) I listen to different formats. Mm -hmm. I mean, I bought a brand new car two years ago and
1: come to find out much to my uh, dismay at the time, there was no CD player. Uh (laughs) Uh They don't even do that, but you can stream anything. Yeah. And so sometimes I'll be streaming certain stations from around the country. Somebody will come on and I'll just Shazam and see who it is. Okay. And that's how I find new talent. Yeah. Or talented. And I love YouTube as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different ballgame now, right? Because with the advent of social media, someone who is talented doesn't have to go through maybe some of the steps that you had to go through back in the day to right. get your music noticed. They can post their music, and that's right. If it hits, it, it hits, and sometimes that's how a lot of artists are created today. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, if there was any living or deceased musician that you could spend a day with,
1: who would that be? Who? Gosh, that's a hard one. I Shoot, I would love to spend a day with like John Coltrane. Uh-huh, <laughs> like uh-huh. A McCoy Tyner or even Shaka at this time in her life. Because she's older now, grandmother and all. And uh-huh. till this day, I still call her boss lady. That's what my brother and I call it. Okay.
0: Okay. Too quickly
1: snap back and say, yeah, that's right. I'm your boss still, you know. <laughs> uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that brings up another interesting point too. You talked about Fareed's desire to get off the road and And be home more. How do you manage all of the touring and recording and all the other obligations you have with your family life and your personal life?
1: The one thing I do that I learned to do is to make sure you take the earliest flight home you can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as you get off the road, come on back home. Yeah. Because I'm always out there. I'm always out there. And I always come back home. And I have my 17-year-old he's around here somewhere. Okay. He's a normal seventeen-year-old. I mean, he's yeah. got the hormones raging. He wants to do a lot of things. So, <laughs> and you know, COVID was a major challenge to him and just to everybody. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much it. I mean, fortunately, I don't have any bad habits in terms of you know I just got to be out here, you know, doing mm-hmm. crazy thing, party and then all that. You know, mm-hmm. for me, I, I have a pretty simple life for the most part.
0: Yeah, Wayne Brady has a song that's called "Beautiful Ordinary Life." Ah. Uh, and I love that song because I'm like you. I love being around my family. I don't need the, I don't need the trappings of stuff. And I think that particularly as a musician like yourself, people are, have this false sense that y'all are just out all night, every night. And it's just, it's not the reality for a lot of musicians. Well, you know what? Don't get me wrong. I've had that stage in my life, uh-huh. but it quickly lost luster for me
1: because it comes with a price, as you would probably imagine. Absolutely. One of the greatest lessons I learned from Prince was when I got with him playing in his band. I expected that backstage to be like that. Uh-huh. George Clinton one night came to one of our shows. Prince would have a special guests come in, and on this particular night, George Clinton came, and we were backstage. And I'm gonna put it to you the way he said it. He said, "Man, I can't hang with y'all. Y'all ain't got no drugs. You ain't got no bitches back here." <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it's George Clinton. Uh-huh. Because Prince had such a sterile environment. It was yeah. quite opposite of what you would expect. His world was very contained.
0: Yeah, yeah. It
1: wasn't none of that. You couldn't even eat meat in the building. We had vegetarian caterers, you know? Uh-huh. So it was a very, very sterile environment, and George couldn't handle it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: For a guy like me, I was cool with it, you know what I mean? But it's funny how the world thinks so different it's great that you share that story, right? Because that, that gives enlightenment to some of the falsities that people might have in their, or stories people might make up in their own minds about what happens, right? True. And I think we all get to a point in our lives where just other, other priorities come first, you know?
1: You know, I mean, you grow up. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first to admit I had my time, particularly as a solo artist when it was all new to me, you know, you had so much available to you, but I was never into drugs or drinking and all that crazy stuff, but, you know, we had our parties.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So for yourself, do you enjoy touring and playing live? Do you enjoy being in your lab, creating your next project? Do you love either one of those more than the other, or are they equal to you? Or
1: They both serve two different needs in my life, okay. you will, for lack of a better word. The recording process has its own mental space. But there's nothing like playing for people. Yeah. So I can't even say one is better than the other. I really love them both.
0: Yeah, good, good. Well, let's take a listen to Face to Face from Najee's Center of the Heart release. So this is Najee with Face to Face. Just listening to Najee with the song Face to Face and that's one of your latest releases and what's next for you?
1: Well, I've been home recording, working with different people in the industry. I won't mention them right now until we finish up all the paperwork. I but...
0: understand. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I've been home recording, which has been fun. COVID has given me, putting aside the tragedies of people we've lost that we love. Yes. Family plus friends. The one good thing about it that I've gotten out of it is a personal reset because I've been on the road nonstop probably 37 years. Wow. Wow. So that year, I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. Yes. Right. And at the time that it came, I happened to be in Europe and had to cut everything short to come home because it was around the time that the president was saying they were shutting down all the flights and all that Mm. and avoid getting stuck over there. We had to get home. So and since that time, for the most part, I've been home, Been going for personal things. And we just started back up earlier this year. Okay. So during that period, it was a great reset to get creatively involved. I did a lot of projects for other artists, Brazilian artists. I did one song oh, with great. the Jobim family and what yeah. they're doing. I things with, uh, just completed something with the group from England. Slow down. I can't take the heat. Uh, who ends Who ends yeah, yeah. Just did a slow with them. So I've kept myself busy throughout the year. Yeah,
0: sounds like it. I'll look forward to hearing some of that stuff. I mean, I love me some loose ends from back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun to hear. That'll be fun to hear. So another thing I love to ask our guests, just to get a little peek inside of their heads and their hearts is, you're having a dinner party. You can invite any three people that you want, living or deceased. Who's coming to Najee's dinner party?
1: Oh, let me see. I'd invite ex-president Barack Obama. Let uh-huh. me see. <laughs> Michelle Obama. Uh, who else would I invite? Oh, I don't know. I don't do too many parties at home. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, family, you know. So. Uh,
0: have you had a chance to meet the Obamas? I only met Michelle Obama.
1: Okay. Unfortunately, never met the
0: ex-president. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Well, hopefully that's in your future, man. Hopefully that's in your future. I hope so. So, tell our audience what else you have going on for 2021, the rest of 2021, and 2022. I know you're out on the road now. Yes. But what else have you got planned for the next year to a year to year and a half or two or so?
1: Oh, really? Just to continue recording. I have a new record I'm working on right now, as I said. So that's going to keep me pretty tied up. Also working with young students. I had two of my students, and I don't take on a lot of people. I'm not into being a Teacher to mm-hmm. like come and take lessons with not, I'm not that guy. I just choose maybe one or two students a year that I know are going to go to distance. At least I sense that that's what they really want to do. And I'm proud to say two of my students have graduated college with full scholarships as a result of them working with
0: me. Wow, fantastic.
1: Oh, well, yeah. So I just got a new student out of uh, Houston, Texas. I can't think of his name now, but he was turned on to me through a friend of mine. So I'm going to be working with him and we work through Zoom and FaceTime and all that. Okay. See, and help them facilitate their dreams.
0: So when you're working with students, are you like actively tutoring them or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has got to be pretty amazing for them. And very enriching, to be honest, because yeah. you forget
1: how much information you know until you have to actually share it. Yeah. And then it helps you open up those areas of your playing. Because not everything I do allows me to really open up. Uh huh. I mean, every now and then I get projects like when I did Charles Irland's album, Jazz, you know, straight ahead album or Stanley Clark and I, when we did Billy Cobham and Larry Carlton, where you get situations that really allow you to open up, you know? Uh huh. But, you know, when these young students, when things are a mystery to them, my job is to really just make it so it doesn't seem like it's all a mystery. You know, you yeah, don't have yeah. to go spend $35,000 at some university to get what I can give them, what they can get online, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. I love that.
0: yeah. That's cool, man. That's cool. Well, Nancy, I got to tell you, man, your music has been an important part of the lives of so many people, mine included. Oh, thanks. We are so grateful for you taking time today to spend a little time with us. Let us pick your brain a little bit. We're excited about the fact that we're going to have you at our Fresh Coast Jazz Festival in August of 2022. I am too. And everybody, if you get a chance, go see this man on the road. He's going to be out there. So check out Najee's official website. You can get tour dates there. And of course, go through that wonderful catalog of music. Your music to me is to a degree like Stevie's music, where (laughs) I was just saying to somebody recently that when I think about Stevie, Stevie's records are an investment and yours have been the same because there's just so much great music on your records, man. So we appreciate you coming on today, man. And we wish you all the best.
1: Thank you so much, Carl. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to coming in 2022, man. Yeah, we
0: look forward to it as well, man. It's gonna be a good time. So I know Milwaukee is ready to have you in town, so. All right. Well, that's our show for today. We want to invite you to check out our upcoming Fresh Coast Jazz Festival. Go to our website at freshcoastjazz.com for details. And we'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage.